Wiggity, 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 what is up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? This is another fantastic episode of, you guessed it, the Archipreneur Now podcast. I'm on episode 72. Woo-wee! I can't believe it. That is so many episodes done so fast. I feel like yesterday I just started this thing. It's crazy to think about. So I am so, so, so excited that you all are here sharing this with me today. I cannot I cannot confess how much I just really, really appreciate the audience. I appreciate everybody who contacts me uh, through email at createdartsynow.com or through Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong and the conversations that we have. I really, 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 really enjoy hearing people's stories. I love connecting. I love seeing how I can help. Um, and things that I can learn from you all as well. It's it's such an amazing world out there. And I think that every day we just need to keep our heads up and keep moving forward and keep learning and keep teaching others what we learn because it's insanely magical when we create that network and keep on moving forward. So uh, I, I came across a quote today by Richard Branson, who's brilliant. Everybody knows he's brilliant. But I really, really loved it. And I wanted to share it with you because I think it, that it's just so true in so many different ways. And I want you to apply it to your life. I mean, if you can, it's it's seriously just rock solid. So my biggest motivation, just to keep challenging myself. I see life almost like one long university education that I never had. Every day I'm learning something new. That's Richard Branson. And there's a reason he is so brilliant. It's things like that. Uh, He sees the beauty and the opportunity and everything. I mean, life really is one big opportunity to learn as much as possible, to develop yourself as much as possible, and to create the life that you absolutely love. Ho! And I hope that you guys can really see through uh, all the negative out there. I mean, for every positive energy, there is a negative, but... I really do believe that if you keep positive, you smile, and you keep enthusiastic, and you keep moving forward, good things will come. I mean, you cannot fail. We we do become what we think about. We absolutely become what we think about. So make sure you're thinking positive. Make sure you're thinking amazing, amazing thoughts, bright future, because it will happen. Uh, I wanted to read a an iTunes review that it was left for me, and I really do appreciate this. Everybody who gets on there and leaves them, I really, really, really appreciate it. Uh, it means the world to me, and it helps me spread it out uh, to more people. And, and I just feel like I, I, I can't. I don't even know what to say to to everybody who's done this. I can't believe I have this many reviews that are five star. I mean, forty six. It's it's baffling to me. So um, this one is from Stefan Gottlieb. It's a necessity every few days. I cannot do without my regular dose of the Entrepreneur Now podcast. Thank you so much, Stefan. I really do appreciate it. Uh, this one from Wissom22. 22. 22 is my favorite number, by the way, as well. And then Kelsey Manning, one of my listeners who I've connected with, she's brilliant. She's writing. She's changing her life. She's creating exactly what she wants in life, and she was in such a hard spot, and it's so inspiring for me to see her uh, doing the things that she's doing. But I think her favorite number is 22 as well. If I'm not mistaken, Kelsey, I apologize if, apologize if I'm wrong on that, but I know that was one of the first things we had talked about. So, uh, yeah, this review from Wissam22 
Hold on one second. Lost my screen here. I'm a failure. See, everybody makes mistakes here. All right, here we go. Wissam22. I was late in finding this podcast. The title did not appeal, but wow. This is one of the highest quality engaging podcasts I've listened to for a while. Cannot recommend it highly enough. Thank you. Get it now. All right, so I really do appreciate that. And it's awesome to see the feedback from a different perspective. I mean, the title did not appeal. So maybe he's not creative. Maybe he's not really an entrepreneur. But listened to the show, gave it a chance, and and loved it. And has given me, a, even went to the extent to leave me a review. So thank you so much for the review titled Stunningly Good. I really do appreciate it. Everybody out there, I am honored to to just be here speaking and having anybody listen at all. Um, I'm just trying to change the world one minute at a time through audio, through interviewing all these creative guests, and I hope that you all are finding value in it as as much as possible. So I also wanted to take a minute to give a shout out to my boys, Shaky Phil, and they are the ones who compose the music for my intro and outro. Uh, congratulations to you all. They, they made it into Relics Magazine, the top five artists you should know about, which is a pretty big accomplishment. So I was awesome to get that episode in the mail and open it up and see that in there. Uh, brought a huge smile to my face. And thanks again, Shaky, feeling for, for doing that intro and outro for me. I really, really appreciate it. If you haven't heard them, you should totally check them out. They're insane. They're on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, uh, based out of Southern California, but just like jam funk like i don't even know how to really explain it but they're so 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 good so uh, shakyfillin.com is their website check them out and our guest today i mean this just keeps getting more and more exciting is is the artful dodger ad a brilliant brilliant conversation i had with him he he was one of the first aerosol writers to come out of the uk in the 80s so he started to gain notoriety and media attention for this unique style tag. And then he went on to develop th- these amazing arts on inner city walls. And what he does is he tries to transform depressed urban areas into brighter color and innovative urban art. But he is opening these centers to help other artists to develop them, to send them out there and make them more successful. And it's such an amazing thing. Uh, he went on to work with companies including Lucasfilm, uh, Heathrow Airport, MTV, South Bank. It, it, the list goes on and on. The guy is brilliant, and I really, really enjoyed this conversation. At the end of the, the episode, I forgot to ask him uh, where where we can get a hold of him. So if you all go to artfuldodger.com, that's A-R-T-F-U-L-D-O-D-G-E-R.com. He has links to his Twitter, his Pinterest, his Facebook and his Instagram there. And I'm sure you can find the connections from there on out. So everybody hold on to your pants. Let's get right into this episode, which is episode 72. So for all the show notes, it is artsynow.com forward slash 72. And here we go. Come on, everybody. Let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody. Let me hear that stickity, stickity, rickety, dickity beat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, here we go now. Who wants to get a little bit funky out there? Who wants to get a little creative out there, huh? Yeah. Which one of you wants to get a little bit artsy now? 
Well, get on with your bad selves, yeah. Whoever you are, wherever you may be, whatever you may be creating, you better tune your flippity-floppity ears directly to the interview, because my guest today is as unique and baller as they come, widely credited as one of the first aerosol riders to come out of the UK in the 1980s. He's made a transition from the streets to the corporate world, and he's worked with the big companies, and he's given all that he's learned right back to the streets again. A skidamarinkity-dinkity-dink, a skidamarinkity-doo-hoo, artful D, yoo-hoo, are the entrepreneur now, man. What's happening? Hey, things are great. I'm just uh, chilling here in London and pumped to be on the show. <laughs> I love the word pumped. I don't know if you know that, but I use it constantly. To the extent that people probably get sick of me saying it. <laughs> Fist pumping, pumped up, pump up the jams, pump up the energy. I love uh-huh. it all, man. Great. So yeah, pumped. All the way from from across the pond. And and I know it's late for you out there, so I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh did you just, I know we had a little chat uh beforehand and you said that you were you were uh, moving into something or getting something set up out there? Yeah, I'm working with uh, two other artists called I Am Jerome and Olga, my partner. Mm. And we set up a little uh, arts collective called Negative Space. And that's based in uh, South London. But we're going to be working with artists from all over. I mean, we've got some artists from Canada, Greece, Amsterdam, uh, Spain, Italy, who are interested in working with us. Because, I mean, with the world being a lot smaller now, due to the whole thing with social media and the internet... We can basically connect with people all over, just like we're doing now. Yeah, it's amazing how powerful the internet is. It can it can change anybody's life if they use it correctly. And Absolutely. So, what what kind of stuff are you going to be doing in that space? Well, uh, Jerome's a recent graduate. Uh, older, she's still studying. She graduates next year. She's doing like a BA in drawing, and Jerome did the same. And so, with Jerome's experience and Olga's, they're basically seeing a situation where recent graduates, graduates and early career artists are basically finding it hard to get established and get their foot on the ladder in the art world. Yeah. So there's a place called The Artworks in an area called Elephant and Castle in London. And because of our work and our reputation already, we've been chosen to be like their resident artists. Mm. And so we're like, uh, have taken over a couple of uh, units which are going to be using as like art studios. So we're going to be having like a retail space uh, where artists can sell their work and also promote their work, try different lines of things which they want to try and yeah. test the market. We're going to have like a little studio for doing like workshops with ourselves and the community. And also uh, recent graduates and early career artists can also host workshops and workshop ideas so that they can actually get a feel for communicating their art as well out there. And we're also going to be having like a show space, which is going to be like a, almost like a gallery where the different artists that we're working with in the collective and also other guest artists can show their work as well. That, that's amazing, man. I mean, it really is. And I, I so you're sort of, in a sense, when they're, when they're there also, you're helping them develop um, into becoming a better artist or whatever field they want to go into or whatever they may be wanting to develop, sort of like an incubator or a, um, an accelerator program. 
Absolutely, yes. Because another thing is as well, I mean, even like you mentioned before, there's like this, uh, I know definitely in the UK, there's this like stereotype of this extrovert, flamboyant artist <laughs> that, you know, like fops around and like gets what they want and stuff. And people give it to them because they're extrovert when really most artists aren't even like that. A lot of artists prefer to communicate through their creativity. And, and I'll definitely know that I was like that growing up. I mean, I even find it hard talking to girls as a teenager and would like, you know, prefer to like It's still hard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when you're kind of like a geeky teen, it's really hard. And so, yeah, there's a lot of artists that we're working with who would appreciate the heads up and a hand up in terms of communicating creatively with the rest of the world. And so that's what we're trying to do. And the good thing is the fact that we can relate to them, they kind of feel a lot easier opening up to us and trusting us and also working with us because they know that us having been through the same thing or similar experiences, we can relate to their struggle, what they're going through, and the fact that they're not going to get ripped off, which is something that some of them are worried about working with big corporations or big companies straight off the bat. Yeah, building building that trust level is amazing. And there's a local accelerator here that I mean, I I love. I actually go there and learn, you know, iOS and mobile app development. And they're the same way. They they've kind of set it up to bring in all of the the kids out there more in a technical sense, though. Uh, yeah. But they they let startups come in. They accelerate them. They incubate them. And, it, and it's an amazing entrepreneurial uh, resource that's there. That I mean, I would have killed to have if I was a younger kid. I never knew about these places. So taking that and tweaking it towards artists in general is, is a fantastic thing. And I, I, is that something that you've seen other places and you've gotten the idea or was it just a huge idea that you all came together with and you knew, Hey, this is something that is actually needed out there. We want to give back and teach people uh, that you can do these things. You can live passionately. We want to give them a chance to show that as well. Yeah. I mean, the great thing is even though we're coming from uh, different backgrounds, it's like we had the same thoughts and feelings about, not just our art, but how art is represented. I mean, like uh, with Jerome being a recent graduate, he has a lot of friends who are like uh, early career artists, and he's an early career artist himself, even though he's kind of like beginning to make noise in the art world over here and also beyond. And so that's what he's passionate about, helping artists who are like in a similar situation to him. You have Olga, who's originally from Italy, and She's familiar with the Occupy movement out there where students occupy places and spaces and actually reclaim parts for themselves and for young people and basically take back from basically the uh, from corporates, from society who is pretty much known for like taking from the people. They're kind of like taking it back. And so she has that passion, which she expresses through her art. And so she's pe- definitely passionate about doing workshops for and with the people and local community. And then there's me with my background of like uh, urban art and spray painting and stuff. Uh, I'm passionate about doing workshops with the community as well as, I mean, I've done like a lot of corporate projects. I did like a big project for uh, Lucasfilm when they had the Star Wars Celebration Europe event over here a few years back. I did like a big live canvas there. And it's great doing big projects like that, but also I like doing the small projects which don't get any publicity which they don't even get funding for which is like working with the local community working with local kids and actually inspiring them to be creative and tapping into their creativity and helping them use their creativity to actually voice their own feelings and opinions and actually get them to communicate to the rest of the world because one of the good things about doing workshops especially with the local community and young kids is 
a lot of the time, especially uh, in urban areas like in England and I'm sure in other parts of the world, you have this divide, like this misconception that old people have of young people and young people have of old people where they have this mistrust of each other. Yeah. And I've seen projects and done projects where you've got like uh, local kids to design these really beautiful murals, even incorporating aspects of local history. And then they consult with the older people in terms of what they would like to see there, maybe aspects of their own personal history as well. And then the older people appreciate the younger people for actually taking the time <laughs> to consider them and their feelings and their thoughts and listen to their stories. And then the uh, younger people appreciate the older people because they're thinking, wow, you're actually listening to me and you appreciate my ideas and my creativity. And then when the uh, murals finish or the art projects finish and they get to see the final results, both parties or both groups of people, both sets of people, look at each other with like a newfound admiration and respect. And a lot of the time that continues. Because I've even had like young people who may have not have necessarily had an interest in art choose to like go on to study at university level or become artists themselves. Yeah. And so for me, there's a whole thing of giving back, which is really important. And that's something which we all share. Yeah. And that's where the magic happens, man. Absolutely. When that, when yeah. that network comes back around and, and kind of completes that whole circle and that trust level is there. It's, it's amazing what young people can learn from someone who has been there and then vice versa. You know, I think everybody can learn from each other, but uh, you, you started talking about your background a little bit. And I know you've, You've worked with with big companies like Lucasfilm and Heathrow Airport, MTV, and ha so when you first got it started, you know back in the '80s, being credited as one of the first aerosol writers to come out of the UK in the '80s, what yeah. was that like being part of that, and then transitioning to where you are now? You know, can you can you sum up what you've done sort of in a nutshell, and and what some of the more important experiences you had were? Yeah, I think with my creativity, I mean, I was like a geeky teenager to begin with. Uh, I mean, like my parents, my background is that my family's from Ghana, West Africa. Mm -hmm. So my, so growing up, my parents wanted me to have a proper job or proper career as they saw it. Like uh, they wanted me to be like a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant, basically anything with a suit. Yeah, <laughs> I know how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so when I kind of announced that I wanted to uh, be an artist, they were like, looked at me horrified and kind of like <laughs> treated me like the shame of the family, you know, the black sheep of the family type of thing. And But I kind of like stuck to my guns anyway, because my father, he was like an old school disciplinarian. So I definitely learned the value of hard work and dedication to things and sticking things through. But I just decided to forgo what they said, become an artist anyway. And then looking back, I thought, yeah, I may have some success, but I mean, there must be lots of other kids out there who don't have the support that they need and who would welcome that. So that's another reason why I started to do workshops to give back to the community. Because I thought that if a young person grows up in, a, in an area or in a society where he or she feels that the society or that community hasn't given them anything, if they get a chance to make it big or be successful in whatever they, their chosen field is, they're not going to give back. Whereas if they've been nurtured by that community, they're going to want to basically do the same thing and give back. So it's basically that whole thing of each one teach one and basically spreading the message out of compassion and art and sharing and helping each other. Yeah, with open arms, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And also, uh, I got into calligraphy as well, which is uh, art of beautiful handwriting. And so when I used to, like go out late at night, I used to uh, write my name on walls in like, a, like an old English Gothic script. And that kind of got me noticed. <laughs> and then when people start to ask me to do murals on like youth club walls and stuff, I was initially I was against it because I thought, well, I'm doing this because it's creative, but it's kind of clandestine. It's kind of secret. It's kind of exciting. Yeah. There's some mis- to, mystifying about it. Yeah, and to kind of like translate that into something where I'm doing it in daylight, it's kind of like, it felt weird. But then again, I thought of all the young people I could be helping, so I began to go that path, and then I began to get noticed and then get asked to do things for TV. Uh, some of the companies you mentioned, the BBC, I began to be in magazines and stuff like that, and then it just began to grow from there. So what, what, what was it like? I mean, how, how did, what's the story behind how you got to work um, with Lucasfilm. Oh, uh, well, basically, I, I mean, I've always been a Star Wars fan ever since like episode four, A New Hope. Yeah, I'm sitting here with like a Chewbacca action figure right in front of me. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, so basically, I heard that they were going to be bringing uh, one of the celebration events, which they normally had stateside each year. They were going to be bringing one to the UK, the first one in Europe. And I thought, what, well, let me pitch an idea. So uh, there's a company called Cardink who was uh, handing all the merchandising and the organizing for it. Mm-hmm. So I basically pitched an idea to do a, like a live painting and design some T-shirts. And uh, they said that they'll get in contact with Lucasfilm, see what would happen. And Lucasfilm, they to like uh, paint live in front of like 30,000 people during the event. It was a three-day event in London. Oh, wow. And that was awesome, kind of like seeing some of the stars from the movie, uh, <laughs> all the people dressed up in costumes. It's kind of like geek heaven. I loved it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty fascinating that that can come to fruition because I'm sure, you know, two months before then, before you even saw that that was happening, that you would have never thought in a million years you'd be able to do something in conjunction with Lucasfilms. And exactly, yeah. if you just reach out and put yourself in a position where it's possible, you never know what's going to happen. And there's so many people out there that are just – they're, they're so scared to, to take that next step because I am a firm believer that everybody's wildest dreams are literally just sleeping on the other side of their comfort zone. And all they really need to do is wake it up and start shaking it around a bit. You start reaching out to people and talking to different people, doors will start to open and it's, and it's so magical where it can take you. It is. I totally agree with that. I mean, I had like a guy who I was working with a couple of years ago uh, he was a businessman, and he says, you want to know what the secret to being successful in business is? And I says, no. And he says, if you want to do business with someone, ask them. Yeah. He said, it's that simple. <laughs> you know, yeah, you got to get your foot in the door and obviously negotiate and stuff like that. But basically, his thing was, if you don't ask, then you won't get anywhere. So you have got to, like I say, you have got to put yourself out there and take chances. Because if someone says no, then it's not the end of the world. It's no, you just move on to the next person. You just try another opportunity, try another avenue. Yeah. Until it works. I mean, it's, it's so fascinating because everybody has been in that position where they, they felt, I mean, maybe not everybody, but I definitely was at one point where I felt insecure to, to stand up and ask somebody, um, you know, tell them what I wanted and where I wanted to be and see what they thought. And yeah, even though, like you said, two or three people maybe will ignore you or maybe you won't get an answer, but as soon as you get that one yes, or as soon as somebody starts asking questions back, like, so what are you doing? You know, this is what I did. This is how you can improve. 
here you go. And you realize that not everybody's an enemy out there and people do yeah. want to see other people succeed and they do want to teach the things that they know to other people. Uh, it, it can change everything. And I think that's just such a, such a huge, huge, uh, step to get over and to overcome because you can start fist pumping, you know, you get pumped up. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Plus also there's a lot of successful business people out there or even artists who want to give something back. They want to, especially those that have like had to do it all themselves of like work from the ground up mm-hmm. or have been like self-made people, you know, they want to, they know they recognize that there's people like them out there and they want to reach out to them and help them and give them a hand up as well and see them succeed. So yeah, you're right on that one. Yeah. Definitely. So when, when you all have these, um, these younger artists come in or artists from all around the world that are going to come to your space, I'm sure that you have interacted with, with plenty of young artists out there. What are some of the what are some of the biggest problems you see or or the areas that they need help with the most? What kind of pains are they having and and how have you been able to to sort of um show them that they can actually solve these pains by by being persistent or whatever the, the value may be? Well, in terms of uh, the place that we've got now, negative space set up, we've only been running that for like we're basically still in the process of setting that up. It's not going to actually take off until early next year Mm -hmm. but we're basically building up to by doing small projects i mean one thing that we're doing to help them is letting them have use our space for small exhibitions yeah so like uh we've had like a small international exhibition of like international students called expat which was basically as in short for expatriates so it's an exhibition for students who would like come students in london that like come from different countries and Basically, the exhibition was like their experiences and explorations of their uh, feelings of being in London, away from home, away from loved ones in a new city, trying to make sense of it all. Yeah. And so do, do, do a lot of them that I know that you haven't done a lot of this yet, but these, these people that come in and you give an opportunity to sort of have this like first exhibition, how do a lot of them react to that? Because um, I'm sure it's so different once you put your artwork up on that wall, you have an exhibition for the first time. Um, and I can imagine that there's just like a plethora of different reactions of how people handle it. Yeah, there is. I mean, some are like really surprised. Some think there's a catch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and others are just like really excited to actually take a small first step in their careers. Plus also it's a thing of like where we teach in terms of like what we help them with, we help them with aspects of marketing, even like presenting their work and curating their work. And giving them ideas to the point where they can take that and use it and actually go on to curate their own exhibitions. Or if they're going to have a group show, they can properly curate that as well. Uh, we help them with like basic contracts so that if they're going to have their work in a show space or in a shop even to sell, they're basically covered in terms of what their rights are, things like that, the things that they should know, things that they should watch out for when it comes to signing. Even in terms of like... Uh, giving a percentage to whoever's going to be selling their work. We give them advice on that as well. Yeah. Do you, do you remember when you were a child, what your first big like creative memory is by any chance? Yeah. Uh, I think I was about six years old and I did this big orange, yellow and red painting. It was like an abstract painting of like a fire. Yeah. That's all. And like, but because it wasn't like a flower or a little bird on a house, <laughs> I remember my teacher at school kind of like scolding me for it and kind of berating me, but it didn't deter me. I just kind of like kept on going. Yeah. 
I remember making like this, it was like a moon journal. Like I, I painted this giant like moon and it was actually textured. Wow. Um, and yeah, it was, and I, I recently, I just always remembered it. And then recently my mom was like, you need to get all your shit out of my house. <laughs> and I'm like, what is all my thing? I thought I had everything, you know, I left at 17. She starts yeah. piling these boxes on me. I have all this junk from back then. And I found it and I was like, damn, that's pretty cool. Wow, so it's, it's always interesting to ask people if they remember. But so, you're like, w- going forward in the future, what do you think your ultimate long term goal with with what you're doing as far as a creative yourself and then this project is? Uh, well, with negative space, we're actually uh, in the process of setting up like a Kickstarter campaign. Nice, so that we can get funding for that and actually launch it properly. What t- when, when do you think it'll actually? When do you think the Kickstarter will launch? Uh, this week. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. We've basically got it like 90% ready. We're just like editing the final promotional video for it. And How then, long are you going to run it for? Uh, about 30 days. Mm, okay. Well, then, unfortunately, by the time this episode goes live, it'll already have, have passed. But if you want to shoot me the link, I can, I can uh, send a spout out through the website if you want to share it. Yeah, cool. That would be appreciated. Absolutely. Now, I've got a couple-month buffer, so... Everybody out there who's listening right now, uh, this episode has launched sometime in early February. So we're uh-huh. we're in the future, man. <laughs> Time travel is great. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, so back to what you're doing long term. So you're starting this Kickstarter <clears throat> campaign. Uh, you're trying to secure funding and get some kind of crowd surge going. Uh, so where are you going to take that? Uh, I well, to interrupt you. That's okay. Uh, initially it's going to be to, uh, sort out the space that we have for the, for the show space. Like it's going to be for sorting out the flooring, uh, the plumbing, because like, it's basically like converted living units from, uh, the Netherlands. So inside it's got like a little pod for like a shower and a toilet and also like a little sink at the back as well. Mm -hmm. But because the plumbing isn't like plumbed in or anything, they're kind of useless to us. So we're going to remove those. We're going to have like track lights so that we can like have spotlights on each of the paintings or artwork in the gallery space. Uh, it's taught, plus also we're going to be having like an international exhibition as well, so to uh, fund that, and also like setup and running costs. Excellent. Yeah, and but, you, know, like, you can uh, envision it, and you know, you know, it'll be awesome when it's done. Like, yeah, absolutely. I, I have a vision board, and and I'm always and I've done a really good job of. I, I didn't used to be like this, but. I can I can literally see where I'm going to be in the future now, and yeah. as long as I continue to believe that and I continue to envision that and take a, take a little bit of time every day to think about it, it's amazing how things actually come to life. So I'm sure that you have gone through that process. But since since you've been doing all this, do you think like thinking back to the '80s when you started doing the the writing and all that? Do you think it was harder to get started then, or do you think it's harder to keep going throughout your career? There are different pros and cons. I think back then it was on one level, it was easy because there weren't so many people doing it. Yeah. So it was kind of easy to kind of get noticed. Whereas now it's easy because you have the internet. So, but then there's so many more people doing it. There's like so many thousands of people doing it, putting up pictures and stuff like that. It's kind of hard to get noticed in a sea of images. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I a hundred percent agree. Um, but if you if you figure it out and you're persistent about it, you can find those little niche pockets that you fit into well, and you start building that trust community, and, and it's amazing what can happen from there. 
do you remember having any like was was there anybody when you were coming up or even up to this day that played like a huge role on you know as a creative influence to you? Yeah, I mean, I remember when I actually wanted to be an artist. It was like when I was in elementary school and I was like eight years old because the head teacher or the principal he gave like a presentation during a morning assembly one time and he had like these giant, I'll never forget it, he had like these giant prints of great paintings by the old masters from the Renaissance like Suzanne and Van Gogh and basically Michelangelo and Da Vinci and I was just blown away by those. I thought, wow, that's what I want to do. And I remember telling my friends that afternoon that, yeah, I'm going to be a famous artist when I'm older. And they just like all laughed at me. But, you know, sometimes you just kind of like see things or you just kind of have a feeling about you. Yeah. You just like have a feeling about where your life's going to head. So it's just about staying focused and sticking with it. Yeah, it's that gut. I I try to tell people all the time, like, it's real. Follow, follow your gut, like follow what what you want to happen and you can make it happen as long as you don't, you know, as long as you're good to people, you make positive relationships, you pay attention to what's important in life. Because I think in this world, there are so many materialistic distractions that can really screw up your entire path, your whole life. If you're not careful. Absolutely. So being as simple as possible, as far as distractions and, and things around the house, like I've been going through a huge transition of simplifying lately. And it's like the most gratifying thing ever. Yeah, uh, to, to start getting rid of things like get got rid of the microwave, getting got rid of cable. Now we're getting rid of the TV. We got rid of two TVs. Um, we have one left. Like all the furniture starting to go, all the uh-huh. kitchen items, and like as you get rid of things, then I'm like, okay, well I don't miss any of that, and then I go back through it again and start getting rid of more things. And wow. when we eliminate these distractions, you you kind of have a more clear uh, intent of what you need to get done, and there's less in between where you are now, where you want to be. There's no, the, the distractions just aren't there. So when you have clarity and meaning in life, I think that's the, the, the first real opportunity you have to figure out that your pursuit of happiness is absolute. It, it's not something that you dream of. It is absolute if you, if you make progress towards it. Absolutely, yeah. And I think it translates because uh, it's interesting what you're saying about you getting rid of stuff in your environment because I've always noticed that your environment, like your home, is a reflection of your mind. Mm-hmm. So like, if you have like a messy environment, that kind of like reflects your mind as well. I know that some creative people thrive on that, like there's order in the chaos, but <laughs> it still <laughs> translates. Yeah, and I think for, for a creative or an artist, you know, talking about this away from what your studio would be like, because I think a studio can be as messy and creative as possible. The order and the chaos is always going to be apparent, but uh, yeah. you know, away from that in your actual home living style, um, I am finding out, and this may not be for everyone that the less I have around me to distract me, the more I pay attention to the beautiful things that actually matter in life. Like seeing the sunset uh, every night or, or the, the relationships that you build with the people that are close to you. When you, when you start, building on those things instead of checking, you know, your Twitter or, or uh, you know, picking up your iPad and airplane yeah. something to your television. It's amazing when you start replacing those things. So exactly. Just getting back to basics. <laughs> yeah. Then you can get the paintbrushes out and start going ape shit. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah. Well, if, if you could look at yourself back, you know, when you were younger or if there was um, someone 
small, say there was an AD out there that was just coming up, what's what's like the, the main piece of advice that you would give them as far as finding success in the creative world? Uh, I think I'll say to them, do what you know you should do or do what you feel you should be doing and everything else will fall into place. Yeah. Even if the voice that you hear inside your head or in your gut is the only voice which is encouraging one direction and everyone else is telling you, no, you're wrong, stick with it. Like I say, follow your gut. Yeah. And, and sometimes be brave because success, even the road to success can be a lonely path. Mm-hmm. And for every positive out there, there's a negative right? Sure. Something always has an offset. It's just how the world works. Mm -hmm. I mean, from the core of the chemistry and the physical sciences to, to everyday conversations. I mean, for every positive out there, there's a negative. And if you get hot caught up on the negatives, you're just, you're just killing yourself slowly. So don't do that. Get out there and fist pump. And if you want to take your pants off and run around naked and you're and freak your neighbors out, you can do that. No one's stopping you except maybe the police. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that, Europe or America or wherever you may be. Mm -hmm. Hell, they might give you the death penalty for that in the Middle East in some places. Probably, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, all right, cool. If if you if you could spend one hour creating something with anybody from the past or present, who who do you think that you would choose, and what do you think you would create? I think it would have to be Da Vinci. And I'd have him basically invent a spray can or an aerosol can for the time of the Renaissance when he was around. Oh, man. Could you imagine? Yeah. That would be awesome. (laughs) That would be awesome. I love it. I mean, those are the types of answers that get your mind moving immediately. I'm sure everybody listening right now is thinking about, well, what if Da Vinci had the spray can back then? Yeah, who knows? Maybe there's going to be some joints of a prototype somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And it, and I know we talked earlier about how you listened to Dr. George Seke's interview uh, that I had on before. And man, he talks about like he literally puts together these schools and he teaches children that you can create with absolutely anything uh-huh. as opposed to a lot of art teachers out there. And a lot of kids complain they get out of arts because their teachers are so strict on the way they're creating. Yeah, And, and he's talking about going out in nature and just taking giant strips of, uh, you know, canvas blanket and stuff and putting paint and like running it across surfaces and all the rocks and everything are making their own shapes and patterns. And, and it's just like blows your mind to think about it. And it's such a mass scale like that. Yeah. And how you could literally take anything. He's like, yeah, I'll grab this. I'll grab that. I got away from brushes. I use anything I can find and I start painting and I start creating and, and it's fascinating. It is, absolutely. He's very inspirational. Yeah. Absolutely. So, if you had to battle Godzilla, dun, 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 (laughs) how do you think you would use your baller spray skills or creativity or talents in another direction to defeat that big, crazy bastard? I think I'd have to build a giant mecha godzilla bot type of thing that uh spray paint instead of fire and then i kind of like dazzle him with that these beautiful giant murals <laughs> he'd be like oh. <laughs> immediately yeah 
He's a big bastard, that's for sure. You'd have to put some time into that. You might have to plan about a year ahead of time. Yeah, exactly. That would be one hell of a piece of art. It would, especially if you got involved. Imagine hell, that. man, you work with Lucasfilm. What if you got involved with the Godzilla crew? Wow, or even the next Star Wars movie, doing some promotional stuff for that. That would be awesome as well. Yeah, do it. Uh, as you know, you can get there. Just reach out. Exactly. Yeah, because, I mean, there's even, like, uh, an artist who I was in touch with called Warren Fu, mm-hmm. who a few years ago uh, I was talking to him online, and he was telling me that he used to be, like, an aerosol artist as well, and that basically he got a portfolio of sketches together, sent them to Lucasfilm, and he ended up being employed by them. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he ended up designing General Grievous, who was, like, in Star Wars Episode Three, and also the uh, some of the... Terminator bots in the Terminator Salvation movie. So he's kind of like gone into some big, fantastic things. Man, that's so awesome to hear things like that. You know, just sent that over and then he got employed and then, and then where it takes off from there. Because you just never know. I, I, it, it's, it's amazing. Like I had a guest on Cliff Lee. He does like music production. Uh-huh. And he literally went to Berkeley School of Music, dropped out, because he didn't like the way that they were trying to teach him to make music. And he thought that, you know, he should, he just, he was like, well, I thought we were going to go there and play around with other musicians, but they were like really serious about the structure of how you have to, uh, you know, develop as a musician. So he moved back in with his parents and just started making like massive amounts of music on his own and sending the tapes and CDs out to everybody, like all these big companies. And he got a call back from one of them and he got an internship up in New York and they were like, oh, you're in Tennessee? Wow. Um, well, we need somebody tomorrow, so sorry. So he packed his stuff that day and flew up there and was there. And <laughs> and they gave him the internship, and he was, like, cleaning toilets and running coffee. But now, I mean, he does all of the, the trailer music for, like, all these big-time movies. Yeah. I mean, huge movies. And he's the guy doing all the, you know, the, the music on the trailers for, like, these big – most of them are, like, action movies. He did the trailers for, like, Call of Duty the video yeah. game series and things. Wow. Yeah, and it's crazy. Just reach out and talk to someone. You just never know. Yeah, and also another thing is, is a lot of people think that they need money to kind of launch their idea or whatever. No, you need an idea first and then the guts to kind of go out there and make it happen. Yeah. Guts are huge, man. Definitely. Absolutely. And I think if you have like the idea, the imagination, the creativity, and the guts, that's worth way more than money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have to you have to reframe the way that you look at money as well. You yeah. Know, money is something that comes back around and allows you to live a life of creativity and passion, but I think a lot of people look at it in the wrong way. You know, they Definitely. think they they put it first. Uh they don't they don't they don't see the ratio between being happy and then the money you're bringing in and how they can completely correlate with each other if you're careful. And they just look at it from the wrong perspective as in I have to have money first. If I don't, the world's going to fall apart. And that's absolutely not true. Exactly. Or they see it as like the end goal, whereas it shouldn't be. It's just a yeah, tool. Yeah, absolutely. Don't think of it as the end goal. <laughs> yeah. It's not. Right? No, definitely. In a way, maybe. But there's so many yeah. things in this world that are much more valuable than money. True. Yeah, man. Well, cool. Do you have any... I really appreciate you coming on. It's been a blast. I know the time yeah. flies. I've uh, loved it. But it's, it's been, been it's been it's been a lot of fun. And do you have any um, favorite 
closing advice or do you have any favorite like art resources on the internet or favorite books or anything that you want to um, plug in for the listeners that you think they could find value in? Uh, you got me on the hop with that one. I mean, I do have some stuff, but it's just like links and stuff. I mean, I could like send you a list. <laughs> you can do that if you want. I'm going to put them. I didn't know if you could think of anything off the top of your head as far as uh, websites that you like or books that you've read as far as art um, goes. Well, there's one called uh, creativeblock.com. Mm-hmm. The other word creative and block spelled B-L-O-Q.com. Mm-hmm. And that has like uh, various resources for the designer. So that's like a good one to go to. Cool. I will put that on the show notes at artsynow.com forward slash AD. That's A-D-E-E. And everybody can check that out there. And yeah, man, I, I'm pumped that you <laughs> that you were on. And, and I think that everybody out there definitely got some value out of this. We're going to fist pump. We're going to rock the house out, man, from here on out. I'm getting pumped up. I'm getting ready to go see a show uh, nice. in town tonight. A little music because music keeps my, my fist pumping like crazy. Absolutely. And I know that you've got your night owl out there, but it's getting, it's getting a little bit late for you, man. You, <laughs> are you just now waking up or what? <laughs> no, I'm going to like uh, probably be doing some graphics and stuff for a couple of hours. And then, you know, because there's a lot to do with the negative space stuff because we've got some big plans for next year. So got to get on those. Creating? Yes, definitely creating. Exhibitions, liaising with different artists and basically getting some art programs up with the local community and also other artists from far and wide. Yeah, absolutely cool. Well, yeah, everybody out there, remember that, seriously, guys, your, your, your life is not guaranteed. Each moment is so, so, so precious. You know, every, every single second of every day is a bonus round. We learned that from So Rob Miramont, episode two. You have got to slow down. You've got to enjoy something beautiful because it's all around you. You're alive. You know, this isn't always going to be the case, and that should be enough by itself. I mean, literally, I think about this every day. The fact that I'm alive is enough to put a glow on my face, and it should be the same for you too. So reflect on your past. Don't get caught off on it. Uh, let it be peaceful, but move forward You know, sort of with a big smile enough to change the world, and you will see the world change in front of you um, if you keep that mindset. So be persistent in your pursuits. Be loyal to your vision. Uh, everything you ever dreamed of is sleeping on the other side of your fear, AD. You know what I mean? And Wake yeah. it up, wake it up and watch the magic and, and be thankful for anything and everything because I'm not kidding. In this moment, you are alive, you are thinking, you are breathing, you are aware. So break the rules, but first break the rulers. And AD, thank you so much, man, for being the Archapreneur now. Well, thank you, Heath. It's been great being on the show. Much yeah, absolutely. And, and always remember to keep it funky, man. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of The Archapreneur Now. For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, email me at create at artsynow.com or on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. The music? Well, that's shaky feeling. Check them out. Ventura, California. Ta-ta! Keep it funky.